Well, figure this out. U.S. equities are still rising, even though there's inflation, a war, a fuel crisis, rising interest rates. Maybe they just reckon they are a long way from all the problems, and the Fed's strategy is going to get the economy back on track and inflation back in its box. Or investors just don't know where to put their money. Either way, it's a confusing market right now. Europe really does face energy pressures. The yen is falling sharply because they're holding down yields, whilst elsewhere they're going up. But the Aussie is holding its own amongst all of this, which we've got to be thankful for. It's Friday, the 25th of March, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a very slight rise in the US dollar on the DXY, 0.1%, that's all. But a chunk of that is because the dollar is up almost 1% uh, on the Japanese yen. Other than that, no major currency moves. The Aussie has been holding its own for most of the session. It's now up a quarter percent, holding above 75 US cents. The uh, uh, Canadian dollar doing just about the same. US equities on the rise again. At close, the Nasdaq is up 1.9%, back over 14,000 for the first time since mid-February. The S&P 500 up 1.4%. The Dow is up 1%, while we've seen a slight fall in the Euro stocks 50, and the FTSE looking pretty flat uh, this morning. Bond yields back on the rise today. 10-year Treasury is up 7 basis points. 10-year Bunds are up 6 basis points. And oil, well, today it's falling 3% off WTI to $111. Brent has fallen 3%, around $118 a barrel. So, in short, a summary of the week. Markets are all over the place. But NAB's uh, David DeGaris has seen it all before, I should imagine. He's seen everything before, has he? Uh, he joins us from London. Once or twice, Phil. Only once or well, twice. Well, have you seen asset classes bounce around quite as much as they have in the last week, ever? I've heard lots of explanations of why equities have been going up when bond yields have been rising, because that's not usually a uh, yeah. a relationship that we're used to. And uh, the best explanation I've heard is people have got to put their money somewhere so they don't like it in bonds with inflation on the rise. Yeah. Go for uh, something that, that gets you some yield and, and growth. Why not stocks? But, um, yeah, but so if, that, well, the economy, if, the economy, if the economy tanks, if that, if inflation oh, don't starts. Worry little, don't worry about little things like that, Phil, honestly. Doesn't inflation destroy value? Doesn't it hit companies? Isn't that part of the reason why you'd be getting out of them? Well, it's interesting you say that because, you know, I, I know we were going to talk about the, the PMIs in a yeah. few minutes. But yeah. one, of, one of the things that, that, that resonated with me today is that, Although the inflation content of those PMIs is still quite disturbing, you know, input costs going up often, you know, from one country to the next, you know, mentioning record rates of increase and so forth. But they're also passing it on to Phil. So mm. if there is that, you know, which tells you something about the state of demand in the economy as well. So maybe that maybe there's this sort of less margin pressure. I wouldn't say it's universal uh, at all. I mean, we know here in the UK that... Um, Companies are really facing into big headwinds on energy and uh, gas prices and fuel, all, all of those things. But um, nevertheless, uh, if that's the case, then, you know, mm. if demand is rising and margins are being contained or, or yeah. not uh, deteriorating too much, then yeah, but it's I mean, positive. It's, it's not a bad story for equities as long as demand hangs in there. Well, right? yeah, and it won't, will it? Because, it, because we know that uh, salaries are not keeping track with inflation. So at some point, people are going to feel the squeeze. Mm. They're going to stop spending and we're going to get mm. uh, a bit of demand deconstruction. So, but hey, in the meantime, 
buy up those shares. <laughs> look, let's look at PMIs. You've mentioned them already. For France, Germany, the euro area, yes. the UK, manufacturing was down in March, still above 50, so not in contraction, but just not growing as fast. Where is in the yes. US, though, a jump from 57.3 to 58.5. This is for manufacturing. So if it was a race, once again, the US is winning. Well, well manufacturing in the US is not 58.5. Uh, in Germany, it was uh, 57.6, not too far below. It's interesting that the service sector in Germany is actually not growing as quickly as the manufacturing sector, although that's partly the backlogs and supply delivery times and all those sorts of things. But I think the market was half prepared for more of a hit uh, to these indexes from uh, the spillovers from the war Um the huge rises in energy prices that we've seen, which would have fed straight in, right into this survey. Um, the activity levels, though, continued to be in the manufacturing sector, hamstrung still by bottleneck issues, uh, material shortages, uh, staff shortages, all those sorts of issues. Although, having said that, Phil, a little bit less so in the United States, where supply uh, side pressures seem to have eased a little bit. But... Um, Backlogs rising because demand was back up. So it's, it's been amazing that demand has held up as strong as it has, hasn't it, in face of all the things we've seen. And quite a bit of momentum from, uh, you know, post-lockdown, pam- post-pandemic uh, revival of the service sectors. Yeah. You know, I mentioned well, the, well, that mentioned the UK. Why, you know, offices, re- yeah. exactly, offices, re- offices returning, travel, leisure, all of that. Yeah, well, the UK, yeah, it's uh, for services, yeah. the PMI is up to 61, even better than the United States at 58.9. Uh, whereas uh, you look at Europe overall, 54.8. So, uh, yeah, those who opened up first have uh, and t- taken a very the path, perhaps, are the ones who have done quite well. But overall, how, how much has energy played into all of this as well? So we talk about, you know, the supply shocks, but a big chunk of it is going to be the, the rise in energy prices, which obviously is less of a concern for the US than it is for Europe. Indeed, because uh, it doesn't have this, it's not facing into the same price of gas as, as, as on this side of the Atlantic. I mean, Henry Hub uh, hasn't moved that much at all. And yet what we've seen, uh, Rotterdam gas benchmark prices are up 50% on pre- on earlier levels, UK prices up, you know, uh, uh, even more than that. Mm. Uh, and, of course, uh, the large rise in energy, energy prices on top of that. So I guess at the margin to West Texas Intermediate hasn't risen or it's not as quite as high as Brent, uh, which tends to be the benchmark on, on this side of the Atlantic as well. Perhaps that's a second-order argument, but it's certainly been evident in the PMIs that we had for the US today, and these are not the, I should mention, these are not the ISM ones that the market tends to pay more attention to, but still pretty good numbers for the US, Phil. So services yeah. at, what, 58.9 and manufacturing only just behind 58.5. So certainly holding up pretty well in the US. Yeah, and then uh, the jobless numbers as well, uh, the weekly numbers for last week Indeed. down to 187,000, the lowest since uh, before the uh, pandemic. So uh, all looking pretty good in the United States. Uh, if, we, if, we, if we ignore durable goods orders, which which actually fell two point two percent month on month, that it, wasn't expected. It, it wasn't expected, but it's a sort. When you think of the way that companies order investment goods, it tends to be quite a lumpy thing, doesn't mm-hmm. it? And and it's had a spectacular run for well over a year, rising. If it might have even been every month for a year, and uh, you know, in the past, it, you know can go up for a couple of months and down one month. So I don't think we can read, necessarily read a trend 
into that. But uh, no, pretty good, pretty good reports in the Kansas City Fed uh, manufacturing index at what thirty seven up from twenty nine. So, um, oh, pretty much sort of second tier numbers and jobless claims. A month ago, we were talking about why they're rising. Well. We thought then it was a little bit odd, and now we know why. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether that's reflected in the uh, in the payrolls numbers at the end of next week too. Yeah, uh, still very hawkish sentiment coming from uh, from the central bank. Charles Evans from the Chicago Fed, the latest, uh, saying a half percent rate rise. He wasn't saying it explicitly, but saying he was open to no. the idea. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is carefully orchestrated signalling, isn't it? It's going to be no surprise to it anybody is. if it is half. Uh, <laughs> and, and then we've got uh, New York Fed's John Williams. He's going to talk later today. Presumably, he's going to be reading from the same script as well. You would imagine so. And I think the Fed's quite happy to let the market do some work for them here. Mm. As we've seen and you know, we've discussed now in recent weeks, particularly, uh, well, it's been going on what since uh, really since the start of the year. Um, you know, from that change in uh, the Fed tilt late last year and, of course, since the last Fed meetings when uh, Bob Powell was pretty open about talking about the possibility, you know, it could be 50 basis points if warranted or like the words, words, words to that effect. So, uh, and, and that, of course, feeds into the yield curve and feeds into lending rates uh, and into financial conditions generally. So doing some of the work for the Fed, Without them only having increased rates once at uh, at this point, of course. Yeah. So why the panic? Not that they're panicking, of course, but why the uh, sudden intention to move quickly? Uh, well, look at those. That, look at the break-even inflation rate. The difference between the, the nominal yield and, and the real yield on index-linked uh, bonds. That's up to mm. uh, close to three percent now. It's at the highest level, I think, ever, isn't it? I mean, did it? Uh, what about back in the seventies and the early eighties when inflation was was out of control? What, what it, was it? I don't even know. Yes, good question. You know, I'd have to take that one on notice, Phil. But, um, of course, it's all front-loaded in the front part of those curves, isn't mm. it? So, I mean, the, the history of commodity prices, including oil, is that and they can ride to, rise to spectacular levels, often because of supply-side issues, but they don't typically stay there for, for a protracted period of time. So um, you'd expect oil prices to come down now when? And whether they'll go further up in the meantime, no one knows for sure. But yeah. I would say, you know, we saw the uh, the Chancellor with his five uh, p uh, subsidy for uh, for fuel prices. <laughs> uh, Germans a little bit more strident than that today, Phil. Even more strident than Rishi's five percent with uh, with that thirty. Uh, 30 cent reduction in uh, fuel excise in Germany. Yeah, well, that's more like it, isn't it, really? Because, I mean, <laughs> Rishi Sunak was actually giving back less than he was actually gaining in uh, extra uh, value added tax from uh, the increases that we've been seeing in prices. So he wasn't really giving anything away at all, was he? No, no, and, 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 co- and copped a lot of stick in the press today yeah, yeah, for, as a result. Exactly, yeah, for not giving too much away. Yeah, look, uh, not much was uh, resolved in NATO today either. They're going to deploy, do, deploy more cr- uh, troops close to the border with Russia. Uh, they're going to keep Jen Stoltenberg as head of NATO. Mm-hmm. He's got the job for another year or so. He's also going to be the uh, head of Norway's central bank as well, so he's going to be a busy lad. He uh, was going to be. He was going to be, uh, yes. So he's not going to be now, is he not? Anyway, no, we, no. That, they, while we're talking about Norway's central bank, though, they, they, they uh, lifted interest rates today as well, didn't they? They've joined the club, 25 basis points to 0.75%. They've, got a, they've lifted their end rate as well, their expectation yes. of what their end rate's going to be. Yes. Uh, so uh, every, everyone's at it. Yes. So there's one reason why the uh, the krona has been one of the best performing currencies today, not only lifting rates, as you said, but lifting that forecast. And the new governor, uh, Dr. Ida, 
Walden Buck, B-A-C-H-E, um, speaking about uh, their approach this afternoon. They've been probably one of the more hawkish central banks, one of the first to increase rates as well, and, and pretty well signalled that certainly the rate forecast increase caught the market. And uh, in one of the best performers today, along with the Aussie. Yeah, sure. I thought the Aussie didn't move too much today, but I mean, it it's didn't. Only- but it, but it's clung to seventy five, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it has. And yeah. uh, and the and as you said in your introduction correctly, the yen has been yeah. weak. Well, that's because they're going nowhere. They're not worried about inflation. Uh, the, uh, U.S. yields are rising, but in Japan, they're actually trying to control. Still with, with the yield control curve, so that we've got this big spread. So indeed, that's indeed, it's almost really the uh, not only trying to control their 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 longer term yields in a rising global bond yield environment, uh, plus the hit that Japan would suffer from um, rising energy and commodity prices because it's such a big importer of that. So that that's a big terms of trade shock to the Japanese economy. So it's really like the a classic double hit for uh, for a currency like the yen, which uh, seems like yesterday it was trading in the in the you know one hundred to one hundred five type mark, and here we are dollar yen at one twenty two point three now, and Aussie yen up to uh, over ninety ninety one point eight as we speak. Phil. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So the uh, the Russian share market reopened, uh, and uh, share apart from Aeroflot. Uh, which obviously went down because uh, no one wants them to fly anywhere. Uh, but shares generally went up. But it's fair to say in a fairly constrained environment, so no short selling, no foreign investors. Uh, the government says they're going to chip in and uh, keep buying to stop yes. prices from falling. Apart from that, no intervention whatsoever. Uh, hardly a surprise that shares went up. I'll, I'll leave you to do the explanation for the Russian <laughs> stock market, Phil. <laughs> You've got to put your money somewhere, haven't you? Guess if you're living there. Uh, look, uh, I, I, I guess as to where we go next on this whole situation, you know, uh, the the idea of uh, you know cutting back on buying gas in Europe from Russia. You look at the numbers on it, and you you just realise how how badly this has gone wrong over the last ten years or so. So Germany's natural gas production, their own production, has gone from seven hundred forty thousand terajoules in two thousand and four to 170,000 in 2020. So they, they now consume 15 times more yes. than they produce. Uh, and obviously a lot of that is coming from Russia. The UK Indeed. has halved its production. in that. If, in fact, the UK had kept its production as it was in 2000, and obviously it was getting too expensive because a lot of it was coming from the, from the North Sea, they would produce enough to meet their needs and Germany's. I mean, there's going to be lots of navel-gazing once all this is over, but it just shows, doesn't it, how dependent everybody became. Indeed, uh, on, indeed. Uh, uh, well, indeed, when prices are low, people relax. And um, yeah. what, what is it, what are the, you know, assume that the transition to the new energy world would happen seamlessly and... Um, mm. Murphy's Law comes back with a vengeance, doesn't it? It certainly does and has. Uh, look, uh, we get the uh, German IFO business survey out today. Um, so uh, we'll see. Well, I mean, it's only can, with all the inflation, the supply shortages, the energy costs, it's only going to be bad news, I'd assume. Uh, and UK retail sales for February, which will be interesting. Uh, you know, is it going to show this consumer squeeze and rising prices or is it going to hold? Uh, you know, it's going to be difficult to tell. It will, but... Um we're yet to see the full effects of that, not by a long shot. So we won't know the answer to that until, what, May, June, July, Phil. Yeah, and it could be quite sobering reading, couldn't it, by then? Good to talk, Dave. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you again very soon. Thank you. Cheers, Phil. Speak soon. Bye. And here endeth another week on The Morning Call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby. We're back again on Monday morning. Thanks for listening this week. Uh, catch you next week.